So in Moto2, the first lap was phenomenal. Did, did, I mean, I, I was I was fixed on the television. Like I was just in a trance. The first lap was just so good. It was such good racing. Um, but in the end, Remy Gardner comes home with the win. Marco Bezecchi rebounds from that bad finish in Austria after he won in Austria. And then Jorge Navarro shows up, finishes a race, and gets on the podium. So great for them. And I know that during the weekend, Bosca Scura mentioned they had found something on the front end for Jorge Navarro. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's talk about Remy Gardner. And that's a that's how you bounce back. If you want to win a championship, this is how you fight back after a couple of disappointing weeks. Yeah, no doubt. And that's that's what I wrote down. Um, you know, in my notes with Remy Gardner uh, was simply one hand on the championship trophy. You know, he's got a forty-four point lead right now after Raul Fernandez made his mistake. You know, towards the end of the race and going down to the farmhouse uh, or in farm corner. But, you know, Remy Gardner... Ooh, another corner call-out. Yeah. Hey, real race fan so, over there, everybody. So many crashes this weekend there. But, um, it, you know, Remy Gardner in, at this KTM team is just so, so different than Remy Gardner that was riding for the 1XOX team a couple years ago. Um, it's yeah. Just, you yeah. know, that Remy Gardner was fast, but this Remy Gardner is fast and poised at the same and, and in control you know i felt like that remy gardner last year with the one xox team he was a bit reckless because he had an older bike i think it was a 2019 bike that he was riding and he had to really override that bike to make it, make it fast and he had to ride it past the limit now that worked out for him at portugal where he dominated at portugal but this year i feel like the ktm team has really dialed this calyx in and they have put a fantastic package underneath of Remy Gardner. They have developed him mentally more as a bike with Ak- or as a rider with Akiyo, and I believe that they they have really taken raw talent and honed it into a champion. Um, well, I was uh, glad you said that because I was going to ask you what did you attribute this change in Remy Gardner to, and it's his team and the and the leadership of Akiyo. You think? I, I definitely think so, uh, honestly. I th- uh, and, and it's a natural maturation of, of Remy Gardner as well, though, too, right? I mean, we see other riders oh, right. he has that to go do, through he it has to, well, He has know? to do the heavy lifting, but he has to have people showing him where to do it, right? And that, Yeah. And, 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 and I think you're right. He seems so level-headed, you know, whenever you see him on right. the bike, off the bike. You know, it's just – and I know he and uh, – Oh, who was it that he uh, passed on? It was a uh, uh, Fabio De Gian Antonio and during pre-practice. You know, they came into uh, uh, the slow right-handed corner uh, towards the end of the back. I don't know the name of this one, so go ahead and strike me with that. But mm. um, you know, mm. he kind of put it up the inside of Fabio, and Fabio still stayed on his left, kind of rode around the outside, and then put it right back up underneath him again. And Remy was a little irritated with him. You know, that's really the only time that I've seen Remy throw a lot of emotion out you know and it looked granted it was during practice so uh, you know it is what it is there but but during the race he's just so disciplined and just goes about his business doesn't get flustered just keeps focus and he even lost the position and got shuffled back to fifth on lap one turned around collected himself got right back up in front and then you know he and uh, he and Marco Betzecchi kind of tossed it back and forth a little bit all dur- throughout the race but then once he got into the lead in lap 12 he just didn't look back no he really didn't he he did 
he just ran such a good race. I, I've been so impressed with Remy Gardner this year, his consistency, his ability to uh, weather, uh, you know, some controversy, weather some adversity. You know, he, he just has, he has responded every single time. And this was, this was as good a response to Austria as you could have. So it lets me know that Remy is really probably just couldn't get the setting figured out in Austria. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that happens to the best of us. But he really, really looked amazing here in Silverstone. And all credit to him and his team for bouncing back like that. But, you know, Marco Bezecchi did some bouncing back of his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ran a great race as well. Really kept the pressure on Remy for most of that race. I mean, he... He didn't look back after he took the lead, but Marco never let him get away. Um, so Marco ran as good a race as you could run in second there. And then, interestingly, evidently his dash wasn't working, uh, and the the bike all cut off. I think they had no to reason. change the they had to change the yeah. ECU just yeah. before the and race. You know, before even yeah. coming out into out of pit lane. And and so he had some technical issues and a dash wasn't working, but he fought through all that and still finished second. So that is big to me. Yeah, that's a mentally tough man, or and and, and a, with an attitude that's like, hey man, I'm just here to ride. I'm going to do the best I can. Whatever happens, happens. And and that and it was great. But he was the only one on the soft to retire, which is worth mentioning as well because, you know, they they talked to after the race, they talked to a few people who thought that Bezeki would really fall off the pace somewhere in the second half of the race, but it never happened. And Bezeki made the right call and and just rode a great race. So he he had adversity overcame. He made the right call on a rear tire. I mean, he just did a lot right this weekend, and that's that's really good to see. I'm happy to see that from Bezeki because he needed to bounce back after that last race in Austria. No, I completely agree. And I think that this showed just how mentally tough Bezeki can actually be um, because of the issues like you'd mentioned. You know, there were a lot of unknowns. There was the, the soft tire that I'm sure that he was hearing some murmurings in the paddock that were saying, well, it's not going to last that long, you know. And then on top of that, the ECU issue that had to be changed, you know, very quickly so he could get out of the pits and, you know, get around on his siding life to get back into the grid. Um so uh, no, I mean uh, kudos to the team and kudos to Betzeki because that that's a lot of variables that are thrown at you all at once um, in an event. You know, this is your race. You're you're you would like to be fighting for the championship. He's still fighting for his position. You know, so um, I, I mean, like you said, he he really tackled a lot this weekend and and showed really good form to be able to still bring it home in second place and and know that hey, you might not have the win today, but don't throw the bike up the road. That's right. I, I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like don't don't throw it all away, man. Just just do what you gotta do. And and he did. And he did a, he really had some designs on maybe winning that race, but in the end Gardner was just a little bit too strong. Um but let's move on to Jorge Navarro, who had his first podium since Malaysia twenty nineteen. So Jorge Navarro looked like the Jorge Navarro that was in 2019, you know, really coming on at the end of the races and 2019, he always was in the second half of the race, one of the fastest, if not Mm -hmm. the fastest rider. And he's been largely absent, but I think we know now what the problem was. And that was the chassis. The chassis wasn't right for him. Uh, Something was wrong with the way the front end was feedback and it just, it was a struggle and they found it and he rewarded them for their work and their effort by putting it on the podium and that's that says a lot about Jorge Navarro that talent's still there we just got to get him a bike 
No, I agree. And you know, we know, like you've said, we we know that there's some brilliance in there, and we've seen little little glimpses of it from here and there. Um, and a lot of his crashes seem like they were very similar to um, some Fabio Quartararo crashes last year. You, you know, just some inexplicable front end washouts. You know, not no front end feel. Um, and so hopefully this is what we can start to expect. You know, we've seen that, that now that Fabio can feel the front end and GP of that Yamaha, you know, what can Jorge Navarro do now if he gets more confidence on the front end of a Bosco Scora? Um, like you had mentioned, you know, that this bike seems like it kind of saves its tires a little bit for the end of races. Um, it comes on a little bit stronger uh, toward in the last few laps. We've seen Aaron Kinnett be able to exploit that whenever um, in certain races. And Jorge Navarro coming home on a podium, he looked super strong. And, and I was actually surprised at how Jorge Navarro, how strong he was, um, simply because of what we've seen the last two seasons out of him, you know. And um, and I, I think I even mentioned to Ange whenever he was running, um, you know, towards the front, and I told her, I said, you can almost set your watch that, that he's going to crash. And, and I was just waiting on it all, all race long, and it didn't happen. So super impressed with him and really happy that he was able to do that for that team. Yeah, I think that was good for him. I, I think it's good for a guy that had been him a few times in 2019, struggled yep. 2020, yep. struggled in most of 2021. I mean, at some point you just begin to wor- worry and it, maybe he's not coming back. And as a writer, you start to think, is this really worth it? You know, I'm struggling here. Um, but he, but maybe maybe this is a step forward and maybe for the rest of the year we can see Jorge Navarro up at the front where we know he should be. Um, and that would be one more guy who's not afraid to mix it as a bike under him that maybe can keep up with him now. Um, Absolutely. Fourth and Sam Lowe's. And, you know, Sam was uh, on in podium position for a lot of that race, you know, and he was still really close with uh, Navarro there at the end of the race. And it would have been really nice to see Sam get a podium at his home race in Silverstone, but it just wasn't to be. I mean, he just didn't quite have the speed. Yeah, the the romantic in me wanted to see Sam Lowe's win that race, you know, for his home crowd in Silverstone. I think that would have been a, a you know an emotional scene. It would have been a lot of fun and and really great for the crowd and for him. Um, but you know, uh, Remy had to spoil the party, and and Sam seemed like he lost a little bit of pace towards the end of the race. But uh, uh, right. you know, still yet he he gave the fans a great show. This was a fantastic race, like you said at the beginning of the race. Was just just uh, the first few laps were just amazing, and um, th- this class has always given us good racing with these spec bikes, essentially, and and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. But um, no, Sam Lowe's and and fourth. That's a really good finish, I think. You know, for Sam Lowe's to be fighting it out and racing with these essentially kids, you know, considering his how long he's been in the paddock. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can't take anything anything away from him, honestly. No, you really can't. Um, he, he's doing a he did a great job. I, I think he did the best he could do. I, I just don't think at the beginning of the year we thought that Sam Lowe's was basically unstoppable, but what we learned was that. Sam had just peaked early, I think, a little bit that year. You know, his his team had nailed the setup out of the gate, and uh, the boys from KTM and some of the other ones took a little bit longer to get there. But once that setting, Sam really hasn't had anything for them by and large yeah. week after week. Um, but, you know, he's still having a great year, and he's won a couple of a few races, and so that's good. You know, in fifth, we had Fabio Di Antonio, which is a good, good finish for the Federal uh, Grassini team there. You know, 
Fabio is one of those guys that in his, when he's on, he is great. And again, he's a, is he kind of like Fagia? I mean, is yeah. he like is a little bit? Is he a little, is there a little bit of the Fagia in him? I mean, it's like I never know who we're gonna get with Diogen Antonio, and I really wish I did because I think on occasion he's brilliant. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page here because I was actually, as I was staring at his name on the sheet, you know, I was thinking he was kind of an enigma because he is like that. He he just, some days he shows up and some days he's nowhere. And, and, and I feel like more often than not, he's really towards that bottom half of the top 10, you know, somewhere between mm-hmm. 10 and 15th is where as well too. And, and that really caused me to start questioning this weekend. I started looking more and more at, at him specifically was – how did how did he nail a GP ride for next year? Uh, you know what I mean. He was one of the earlier riders to it that had announced that he had a contract in place for next year with GP. So that's a great that's a great question because uh, I don't have a clue. Uh, yeah, and to I mean, it, it just I I, I don't Sponsors, know. Yeah, I mean nationality. I mean the Grassini affiliation. How long he's been with the yeah. team? I don't know. It could yeah. be a mix of all those things. Um, we know he's he's an Italian. He's going to be on a Ducati next year uh, with the Grassini yeah. team. So um, it, it's it, possibly that's all we needed. You know those three pieces together. That's all that <laughs> that's all it's going to take, right? I don't know, but yeah. um, you know, not to take anything away from him, his his results just don't aren't as consistent as some other folks that are running up front that we don't have confirmed for GP um, rides next year. So, yeah. you know, it, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, th- th- this game, the behind the scenes game is a mystery to me because I've never been in it. And if anybody w- wants to hire a, a good team manager, I'm available. I have a resume. Uh, <laughs> that's the second week in a row. I've talked about putting my resume out there. I must, I just must do subconsciously it. really want to get a new job. Yeah, just do um, it. Um, but yeah, so with Fabio, I don't know why he got the ride. Um, do I think he might be really good? Uh, three weeks out of the year, yes. <laughs> but, but the rest of the time, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I we'll just have to see because we have seen sometimes that riders are suited better for different bikes, and maybe right. Fabio is going to be one of those guys. Honestly, though, I think Fabio's a little bit going to end up being a little bit more like Andrea Bastianini and Luca Marini. That's where I think Fabio's going to be. But we'll see. Let's see if I'm wrong. And you know what? Prove me wrong, Fabio. I'll admit it. Uh, um, Augusto Fernandez finishing here in sixth. Augusto is on a good run of form right now. You know, he's he's put himself on the podium recently. He's He's finishing races, and I think... Honestly, I think for Augusto, he's getting to the sharp end of these of this class, and I think we're going to see some good things in the rest rest of this year and next year from him. What do you think? No, I agree. He's definitely starting to pick up some momentum, and uh, I think he's finding his feet again. It's been a long a long time since he's looked this strong. Uh, I think he was with yep. the the Flexbox team, and uh, you know, whenever we we saw that that strength before, it's found his taken a bit for him to find that kind of strength with the uh, Elfmark VDS team but I think he's on the charge now and I I would really really watch out for him next year you know I, I think the Elfmark VDS team is one of the stronger teams in Moto2 I, I think you put them right up there behind Red Bull mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the Sky Racing team I think those three teams in Moto2 are probably the top three 
Um, so it, it, it is good. I need, you know, and with Sam Lowe's as a teammate, he had to respond or he'd be looking for a ride. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's good to see him doing that because I, I know that Fernandez, Augusto Fernandez can do better than what we were seeing at the beginning of the year. And he's proving it. Right. And so that's, it's always good to see. I, I think it's tough on young people um, anybody that age when you know you can do better and you can't, because I don't think you quite have the mental maturity a lot of times to understand how to get there, and it just gets frustrating, and it mm-hmm. kind of snowballs, and it just goes bad. Um, but I think he's fought through that, so all credit to him and the, the leadership of his team, getting him better and better as the year goes on. And, and you know, I think we'll see some good things from him in the coming weeks. Um, in seventh, we had Aaron Kinnett. Two Bosco Screw chassis in the top ten. Let's mention that. But yep. Aaron Kinnett didn't really have anything for the top, you know, the podium. He was never going to be a podium challenger this weekend. All weekend he just didn't have it. No, and and you know, part of that I think could go back to the bike that we're that we're looking at. And we know Aaron Kinnett's not going to be on a Bosco Score next year. He's going to move to a Calix team. Um so you know, I'm interested to see. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do. Um, you know, and it's not that's not to say that he hasn't looked strong on a on a, a Bosco Scora because he really has. He's a, a few weeks. Yeah, he has. From time I to time. feel like he, he looked really good in Portugal. I mean, I, I think he put, you know he put it yep. on the podium. I think in Portugal was very close. Uh, Porto mm-hmm. if not, um, you know. So, I. Aaron Kinnett's no slouch when it comes to riding a nope. bike, but I'm really interested to see what he can do on the Calyx. And, and I think that these riders that jump from the Boscoscora, you know, over to a Calyx and they're stronger, I think it just speaks, you know, to the strength uh, and the 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 compliment, the testament that, uh, that what Calyx has been able to do in their R&D and developing this chassis for this class. Um uh, it's kind of bittersweet because we want to see more manufacturers kind of fighting towards the front. But I think this class is kind of more centered towards it, it's the right. It's definitely um, a rider's championship, uh, if you will. You know, um, th- yeah. there's a lot more. It's Calyx definitely. Yeah. It's like it's definitely the Calyx, the Moto2 Calyx World Championship. That's what <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it really is. I, it, the It's nice to see Bosco Scura get some podiums this year. They have done that. But by and large they're not close right uh, they're just not just um, a just a quick note and not to sidebar too much have you noticed how much the nts chassis and bike looks like a yamaha i can't say that i have noticed it to that extent no is, Go that, what back, you, is that what it looks like oh it, it look the tail is almost identical to the yamahas from the mid 2000s the gp bike from the mid 2000s oh the, really and the front end has a very very distinct intake that's very close to the shape oh. um, of the new yamaha of the new yamaha um, so yeah, just wow. something to chew on. But yeah, d- uh, sorry, I didn't want to get too far off the beaten path with that. All right, well I'll have to. I'll have. I, well, they're at the back of the pack, so I haven't. I haven't seen them. Yeah, they don't get much screen time. <laughs> yep, I'll have to pay a little more attention. You're you're showing me up there. All right, I got you. Um, in eighth, we had Chavi Vieje, and you know, Vieje is one of those guys that if you're not careful, he can sneak up there and have. Uh, but by and large, this year. For me, Chavi's been mostly disappointing. Um, yeah. But this race, he puts it in the top 10, and uh, good for him. 
Uh, yep. Just good for him. I don't have any, much, any other thoughts because I feel like this was kind of a place where there were a lot of riders that we usually see a little faster, mm -hmm. uh, namely one Raul Fernandez, who were just struggling. So, uh, you know, let's see what happens next week. Maybe this is a springboard and get some better results for old Chavi and the Patrona Sprinter Racing Team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything else. I, I agree with those sentiments. I mean, you know, Chavier, he kind of is what he is each weekend. You know, one weekend he may torpedo somebody. Um, the next weekend he may just completely crash out and then the next weekend he could be on a podium you, you never know what you're going to get with it with him and um we're gonna have to uh, monitor what he's eating for breakfast on sunday yeah, that's what has to happen we have to some, figure this out there's some kind of pattern going on somewhere but that's right uh, you know well what are you gonna do no i mean that's yeah, that's yeah. that we we talk about that a lot with these guys like that's why they're in the class because they're talented mm -hmm. but the ones that go on to be champion world champion they know how to do that every week and right. that's what that's one of the biggest steps to take i think it may be the biggest is to great you're fast today now go be fast everywhere every week it's different but chavi's one of those guys he's got to figure that out um in ninth we had ayagura who solid finish for i um he ran pretty well we i didn't get to see him a ton but i, I you know He's one of the guys that had lately we've been wondering, is he going to start challenging for wins and more podiums? But uh, we saw him get his first podium, but he just didn't have it. He's one of those ones that didn't have it this weekend at Silverstone. Uh, I'm really curious as to why that was, though. Uh, another rookie, too, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, another rookie, yep, in the so. class, absolutely. Yep. Well, in 10th, we had Joe Roberts. So, number one, we finished a race. Yes. So that's good, and yep. it was a top 10. So good for Joe. Beyond that, though, this is something he's got to build upon. We got to get better, but it's something you can build upon. So for Joe Roberts, this is positive. Let's keep the momentum going and finish because our other American is not faring so well. He's now DNF'd in five of the 12 races. That's Cameron Bobier I'm talking about, in case oh, you didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And it's a struggle. So, you know, Joe carried the flag for the United States and got us a top 10. So, Joe, congratulations. Keep it going. Now let's cut that 14 seconds by about half next time. Move up the board, and then let's get on par with Remy Gardner and go get it. 100%. You know you can, so just do it. That's, that's what, right. That's what we have to do. Well, I mentioned that Cameron Bobier fell, and that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but another guy that fell was Raul Fernandez. And that did bid. That was a big deal in terms of the championship. That's 25 points to your your teammate and your biggest rival you know remy gardner who went on and won the race this was a big big weekend in terms of the championship and not good for raul right uh, i mean i completely agree you know and where he went off it, it we saw a lot of crashes there too and it was a fast crash that he had um, it was he's it, i'm glad he's okay and you know and and i don't want to think ill of of raul but you know when he when he crashed I felt like he went down, and then I think he grabbed his foot, you know, so I was like, oh, please, you know, I hope that wasn't a, a, a stunt to, to get a red flag thrown or something like that, but he did pop back up, and he ran off track, you know, and his bike actually came to rest, I think, almost in the middle of the track or, or just kind of off the side, not in the middle, middle, but his bike was still definitely on the track, um, but uh, I don't think that, 
I think this is a growing uh, this is this is a growing moment for Raul Fernandez. Sure, um, we sure, saw he the didn't have the in, speed. Yeah, he didn't and, have the speed. And, and it was a, it was going to be a top ten finish. You know, he was going to be the top top rookie finisher um, had this not this incident not occurred. Um, That's right. You know, and and I think that he is is a, is going to be a very well, I mean, we're not going to see him next week, next year in the Moto Two Championship. So, um, to me, he doesn't have anything to prove in the Moto Two anymore. No. Um, you no. know, go out, finish a race, try to get a win. You know, do what you can, bring the bike home. Um, but maybe he might be lacking just a little bit of front end feel. You know, out of that bike too. Um, so, you know, maybe we're seeing maybe just, that weekend, a, yeah, absolutely. just a hair of, you know, a setting that might have been off or something here. But but this is one of the, the very few kind of chinks in the armor that we've seen from Raul, from Raul Fernandez this year. Um, so I'm not, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't alarm me, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, it happens no. to, you know, so. Everybody crashes. Everybody does. If he starts doing it every weekend, if he does it four weekends in a row, that's a problem. Right. But, but everybody crashes man so i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not worried about him at all i just wanted to mention it because i think it's a big moment chip in the favor of remy gardner uh you know on that note i i i thought it was a great race i i thought you know remy gardner rebounded brilliantly whereas you know his teammate fell after really good showing in austria so you know, I think that pretty much ties it up for me. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, aside from uh, from us, you know, talking about Cameron Bobier and the struggles that he's having there, um, you know, Lorenzo Baldessari, uh, another just bad weekend, um, and, and it, it don't know what's going on there. I think he he pulled Bet in the pits and retired. Describe his season. Yeah, it's just an NBA. This Augusta, is a this yeah. is a winner in Moto Two. This guy has won five races in Moto Two, five, and he is it's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it, it's rough. But a name to watch that has been in the Moto Two races a couple of weeks now, Fermin Aldegur, Fermin is a champion uh, in the CEV class. Mm -hmm. He's from Spain, and he is supposedly possibly going to be another great one from spain so super happy for spain uh i don't know if you could feel the sarcasm through just, the microphone just a hair just just a oh. touch i mean so they say that fermin aldegur is a demon so we're going to find out i mean i think he's going to come over next year i think he's got a ride he's been filling in this year so we'll see for mean, if you can beat Cameron Bobier next year when Cameron knows a single track on the calendar, <laughs> when Cameron's not at a new track yeah. every every week, so bring it on. But anyway, so um, I just wanted to mention that because I've seen him now in a couple of wild card rides, and uh, he is supposed to be a great rider, and he's the champion in his class back where he was racing this year, and. I'll be really interested to see what he can do on a Moto2 bike next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about Moto3. Should we just wrap this one up at Moto3? There's a good bit to talk about there. Uh, you mean MotoGP? That's what I said, wasn't it? Moto3GP? That's what I said. So, yes. It is. It has been a long couple of days, podcast land. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so MotoGP, I'd like to go to MotoGP. Let's wrap this one up and go over to MotoGP.